It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Relationship comes before discipleship. So Solomon said to train up a child in the way he should go. When he gets old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child is the process. It's ongoing. It's a constant growth mindset. It's constantly adjusting. It's taking inventory in life and making adjustments accordingly. Because if you're not going to be intentional with it, trust me, the world will be intentional with your children. They're starting younger and younger to to indoctrinate them with what they want them to believe. And if you're not battling that in an intentional way, you're losing footing. You're losing very valuable ground. While I say it's never too late to start, that's true, but it's also never too early to start. Dear young married couple, you're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, you might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really want to stay connected in your marriage. And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you. I'm Adam King. And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling. And our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has for them. So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. We are here today with Justin and Hillary Jeter. They're the founders of the Resolute Family. And the Resolute Family helps parents be purposeful in discipling their children. And that looks like equipping them with ideas and action plans and all sorts of other resources. Justin and Hillary are also the family pastors and director of the Early Childhood Education Ministry at their local church in Bentonville, Arkansas. When Chris and I were there recently, we saw what an incredible job they're doing and what a needed resource and ministry for this day and age. Yeah. So welcome, Justin and Hillary. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Great to be here. Yeah, we um, were so, so impressed is a good word to use, but it was beyond that. We we were just so fulfilled to see what you guys were doing, um, what you are doing in Bentonville, Arkansas with the family ministry there. You don't just focus on children. You know, a lot of people have children's pastors, but you're focusing on the entire family, the marriage, the family unit as a whole. And then of course the children and the Sunday school ministry. I just, I love what you're doing. So this uh, topic that we're covering today, discipling your children at home, man, what a needed topic in light of what's going on in our current climate. So um, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about that um, a little bit today as well, specifically, you know, COVID nineteen and and how you can disciple your children at home during COVID nineteen. Um, but first, a little bit about Justin and Hillary. Um, we'll share a little bit about what we know on our end, and then we'll ask you guys just to expound upon that. Um, so, Justin, you've served in children's ministry for over 15 years. 
you're the family pastor there at Calvary Tabernacle in Bentonville, Arkansas. And um, you are, you're traveling quite frequently, right, as an evangelist for children's ministries? Uh, yeah, I would say that's uh, my part-time um, passion outside of my local church is uh, being able to travel out and evangelize in children's ministry. And then with the family ministry aspect of it, um, being able to start working with churches about transforming the culture of children's ministry and branching out more into family ministry. So it's been really cool to see that door begin to open. Awesome. Very cool. And that's how actually we first met. Yeah, that's right. We were uh, in a hotel. Yeah, in the hotel lobby. <laughs> hey, how are you? <laughs> but, I think I know. Yeah, so I think we're both evangelizing. <laughs> yeah, like, and we didn't even know we were yeah. in the same town. So that was really neat. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then, Hillary, um, you obtained your degree in sign language interpretation from St. Petersburg College, and you've worked uh, with children professionally and in ministry for over 10 years, um, and currently overseeing the early childhood education ministry there in Bentonville. So, and you guys have a three-year-old son named Benton. He gets to celebrate his third birthday next Wednesday amidst all of that were on a lot like FaceTime party. Oh, I don't know. Same. We had to cancel our son's first birthday party. It's supposed to be tomorrow. So we're with you. Yeah. <laughs> and happy birthday, Benton. There you go. We'll have to do. I think a lot of March babies are going to be having their birthday parties in late April and May. <laughs> We'll do a delay. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, you guys. Well, we're going to jump right into the topic here. So first of all, when it comes to raising children to follow God, um, when it comes to discipling your children, what assumptions are commonly held by parents? Oh, that's a that's a good question. It's also loaded because the list is long. Uh, yeah, it is. I think one of the most common ones we come by is, I don't know what to do, so I'll just do nothing and hope that the church picks up the slack or the church will fill in the need there and my child will get what they need because that's what the church is for right so that an assumption that does not does not stand especially in the eyes of god who clearly lays out um that that assumption is wrong so when we present what we have to these kids every sunday and we send them back home on you know Sunday afternoon, they've got the most time with their parents and the most time at school. And we have ultimately the least time with them. So what a parent does is of utmost importance. Not saying that uh, I'll do nothing because the church will take care of it is a huge misconception among parents. An assumption that I also find is that leading your children to Christ is a very formal process that there's a book and there's a journal and there's a sit down and there is a lesson and that is how it is. And that can be very intimidating for a parent to have to accomplish that type of, of training when they may not feel equipped or feel ready to do that. So an assumption that it has to be formal and the, the facts need to be passed down is, very common when really facts being passed down or knowledge being passed down is inferior to the actual faith being passed down. And there are so many other ways to pass faith down to your children or to grow their faith other than a lesson out of a book 
and the formality of that all. Intentional discipleship or raising your children to love God intentionally doesn't have to be formal. It, it can be and most often should be the informal life day-to-day things. So yes, there is a time and place for devotions absolutely have structure to your life and make it a point to focus on Jesus. But that's the only thing you have to do. That's the misconception. There's so much more to it that is attainable for a parent. So good. When we were there recently, just to speak to what you were saying, Hillary, um, I remember watching a video on your phone of um, Justin showing, like doing this lesson (laughs) And it wasn't formal at all. And it was hilarious. Um, uh, it was like at your guys' kitchen I table. I what the lesson was. I think it was had... Moses bringing the Ten Commandments or receiving the Ten Commandments from the Lord. And it was at your kitchen table with Benton. And he's just cracking up at you. And Benton <laughs> thought it was like the best thing in the world, obviously. And you could also tell that he knew he expected a lesson. Like yeah. he knew what was going on. And you, yes. and I remember, you know, Moses was this baby doll kind of climbing <laughs> to the top of Mount Sinai and, you know, doing this whole thing. And it was really great. And, and so what you're talking about here is just the simplicity of, of mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be this long drawn out process or like right. a complete 20 lesson plan that you have all laid out before you start. Absolutely. Right. Um, I think the word discipleship is thrown around. Um, so it's so overused now that when we think discipleship, the church has created the word discipleship as, or just in general, um, that it's a 12 week course that you sign up for. And it's every Thursday evening or Wednesday night at church. And it's an hour and a half class. And we think if we do discipleship in the home, that's what it has to look like. But to Hillary's point, um, it's three minutes of a quick silly Bible story or reading um, your child's devotion book. Um, And then what are you doing the rest of the day that's actually continuing to disciple your child? And that is, um, that's the example that you're setting. That's in your conversations. That's in reactions to negative things happening in the home. That's the relationship that you're having between your, your spouse. That's still discipling. Um, and it's reflecting and imprinting on that child. And then it will develop the reactions that they take later on in life when those situations happen. And it can be intimidating for a parent when you say you need to disciple your children. They're thinking I I need to add another thing to my already full plate. When Mm -hmm. reality discipleship is taking all the things that are already on your plate and pointing them to Christ. It's not a whole brand new now I have to take this chunk out of my day. It is just taking everything in your life and revolving around Jesus 24 seven. It's, it's Deuteronomy six. Yes. When when talk about teaching these things to your children, when you lie down and when you sit and when you walk by the way, and those that, if you think about it, that's the entire day from when I wake up, walking was their main mode of transportation, wherever they were going when they were sitting together the entire day was reflective and mm-hmm. focused on Jesus, whether they were actually. Whether that was working with your kids in the field or they were sitting on the back of the cart while you were going into the market, you were talking to them about things they were observing and seeing and making life lessons out of those things. Obviously now we don't take our kids to work with us, 
So it's being even more intentional about those moments. That's Except so right now. good. Yeah, ex- Except right, Except right now. <laughs> exactly. Right now you could be yeah. intentional and present Every, all, the, all day. Everyone is begging to go back to work right now. <laughs> isn't, it, um, isn't it interesting how much of marriage and family and what you're doing parenting is surrounds that word you used, intentional? Yeah. It sticks out mm-hmm. to me. It's intentionality. And so what you're saying is it's it's doesn't something that just happens, but it's right. something that you go into your day looking to achieve. Like I'm going to try to find an opportunity through this situation to show Jesus to my child. Absolutely. Nurturing exactly. those natural curiosities is one way. Mm-hmm. Using even like with a three-year-old, you know, we're in like this hitting, kicking, pinching stage, but you- <laughs> those what could be very negative experiences interactions between me and my son to hold those hands and say god made these hands to love people god made these hands to tickle and to hug and when you hurt somebody that hurts jesus whatever it is it doesn't have to be long and it doesn't have to be profound but changing the atmosphere with focusing on what god has done and what he wants us to do that's discipleship in literally less than 30 second moment. And then he goes back to playing trains and he probably forgot about it. And that's okay. That's totally fine. But I'm going to do it again next time. And the next time after that, and those, those types of habits will, will reap benefits. I'm praying <laughs> we'll reap benefits as we continue this through, through different stages of life. And that will look different when you have a teenager and that will look different when you have a college student, but it never stops. So the assumption that discipleship is a one stop in 30 minutes of our day, back to the original question, that is the misconception, that it's just this this one box that I've got to check off. It's not. It's a continuation. It's it's parenting 24-7. Yes. And it's not going to stop. So, so good. I I think that, um, so kind of rewinding, a couple days ago I asked you if, if you could put together a PDF that we could share in our Stay Connected at Home kit that we're putting together right now during COVID-19. Um, that is about discipling your children at home. And you sent me your draft. And I was like, I personally took a a breath of fresh air. It was a breath of fresh air to me because I was like, okay, schedule it in. It's not like the, you know, we have these structured devotionals. There is that, like you said, it's a few minutes, but it's when they wake up, here's something you can do at the breakfast table. Here's something you can do. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's brilliant. I loved how you had that little section on the PDF of just schedule it in, make it happen throughout the day. And even when yeah. we're not in the middle of a crisis like this, um, even when we resume normal life, we can still do that. Even if you have both of you are working outside the home, you could still do it when you get them up. You could still do it you know, when you're driving in the car on the way to childcare. Um, and, and you're just being even more intentional, like you said, Justin. So that's, yeah. that's so awesome. So profound, I think. We'll be right back to the show, but here's a quick break from our sponsor. So we are huge advocates of couples taking an assessment to know where they are in their relationship. Like, what are your strengths? What are your challenges? Well, Relate Foundation reached out to us a while back about taking their assessment, and we loved how it was laid out. It assesses things like communication, conflict resolution, sexual satisfaction, and even individual traits like self-esteem, flexibility, and maturity. 
The cool part about this assessment is that you can take it as an individual, which is 25 bucks, or you can take it as a couple and link your results into one PDF, which is 40 bucks. But they're offering a deal to the DYMC community, 20% off if you use the code DYMC. So go to relatefoundation.com slash couples to check it out today. All right, back to the show. When you try and make this accessible, and there's so many ways to do it, the ideas really are are endless. And it will, like you said, look different for every single family. One of my favorite things that um, we were recently at a conference that one of the speakers said she does is she prays over her children before they get out of the car. And she's done it since they were little, since they were in childcare, not even at school. And so that is part of their routine. And it, it's foreign if it, if she forgets that, you know, her children remind her mom, my blessing, you know, and that's what a neat testimony that your kids are relying on your prayer before they go out and they yes. pray for, you know, teachers and safety and wisdom and to obey the spirit and to be truth tellers, whatever it is for your family. But that small thing, you can do it before you get the kids get on the bus. However you want to work it into your family, you just have to do it yeah. because if you're not going to be intentional with it, trust me, the world will be intentional with your children. They're starting younger and younger to, to indoctrinate them with what they want them to believe. And if you're not battling that, in an intentional way, you're losing footing. You're losing very valuable ground. So while I say it's never too late to start, that's true, but it's also never too early to start. Ah, love that. You guys, so many uh, nuggets here. I'm like, okay, that's an Instagrammable quote right there. (laughs) What are your, what are your traditions? Cause that, I see that as a tradition, you know, that same prayer. What are your traditions that you've tried to implement in your own home? So, um, at, you know, at the time this recording, our son is going to be three in just a few days. Um, and so you may think like, it's silly to start a, to start traditions or kind of our routines for the day, but, um, we're in it for the long haul. Like, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint to disciple your kids. I mean, we have this kid for a very long time, so we want him to be a productive citizen and of society and a follower of Christ at it. So a good positive influence we're going to invest our time into this. And so at a young age now, we've set up a routine where in the morning time, we actually have several books on our dining room table. Um, We have our Bible. um, We have two of his Bibles. And so in the morning when we have breakfast, we sit down together, either Hillary or myself doing breakfast. And then we read through one of his little Bible stories. And that's kind of where we get the ideas and his familiarity with uh, Bible stories. Um, So we read through one of those takes three, four minutes, just depending on how silly it gets or how stretched out it gets. Uh, We we actually have, it's on the um, discipleship, the PDF that you guys will offer, but it's called the breakfast benediction. And we've been doing this uh, for about six months now. And so he actually has it committed to memory. Um, but we have it on a frame in front of our dining room table called the Breakfast Benedic- Benediction. And so we recite that every morning when we get to the table. We pray over our food and then we start our day. And there's no phones at the breakfast table or anything like that. It's just a few minutes of uh, mom and son time or dad and son time. And we have our breakfast together. And then throughout the day, the day starts. Um, there may be a moment or two, maybe before nap where he gets a book read. And sometimes that's a Bible story, but we tried to just switch it up. 
Um, and then nighttime dinner table is an important aspect of that. Um, we really focus on conversations um, at the dinner table. So training him to be able to have conversation. And so we'll ask him, how was your day today, Benton? And he says, good. <laughs> good. And we say, that's great. And obviously we kind of already know what happened in his day. So we can say, did you go to school today? And he'll say, yes. Did you see your friends? Who was your teachers today? Kind of just sparking the conversation and such. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll say, okay, now it's your turn. And then he asks, dad, how was your day? Oh, that's so neat. Now, teaching him to have how to ask how was your day and so then I'll go through my day tell him who I saw at the church office today since I work at the church full-time so I tell him I got to see pastor and I got to see uh, other people and kind of just go through there and and then he asks mom what he did what how was her day and then she goes through her day and so just having that personal conversation and a lot times, there's not anything spiritual happening uh, but at the same time it's it's very spiritual uh, to be able to have those conversations and open up um, because the goal in the dream is that we are having open conversation. We're comfortable enough to talk that that carries over as it continues the, the tradition of dinner table time and conversation time to where when he's 10 years old and there is something that comes up that he's uncomfortable to talk about, he can come to us and have those conversations or when he's a teenager and he wants and he needs to talk about other things mm. that for a lot of teenagers don't want to come to their parents about and they go to their friends or they seek advice from the internet or they seek advice from all the other outlets. They don't have that trust and confidence in their parents to be able to talk to them. And so we're building something simple as conversation from a young age. And then nighttime, I know this is kind of stretched out, but nighttime then is, um, is we read, you know, we read a book or two and we sing a worship song and he gets to choose his worship song right now. We're on Waymaker. Oh, he's obsessed. Oh, he loves that. Oh. We sing the course a few times. And, <laughs> and then now he, we say, okay, say your prayers. And so now he kind of mumbles the prayer in Jesus name. And then we say our prayer. And usually that's a, a blessing that we pray over him. So I'll either lay my hand on his head or lay my hand on his chest. And I say a blessing over him. Uh, for that night and then we put him down to sleep and that wraps up our day of trying to be intentional with our son our three-year-old it's so so good kind of rewinding a little bit uh can you share with us the two bibles that you have on the table for him just so if people are looking for a kid's bible or um, book of lessons um we use the we have the usborn book of bible stories usborn mm -hmm. is the um publishing company, the Usborne Book of Bible Stories, and Friends with God Story Bible. And that one is, it's written by Jeff White, and it's um, put out by a group, which does a lot of curriculum and resources for children's ministry and family ministry. Mm -hmm. Friends with God. They also have a, they, I believe they have a Friends with God app, and they have a devotional book. So maybe for older kids, they actually have a devotional that you can read through and, and with your kids as well. Awesome. We will link those in the show notes here in case anyone wants to grab them. Now, if if parents want to get serious about their discipleship of their kids, mm -hmm. which we know is so important, and you, we clearly see that you take the responsibility for that. Yeah. Um, other than reading the Bible stories and then you know getting a 
a baby doll and <laughs> making it Moses. How else do you try to teach that? Like, where do you get your ideas? Great question. Um, that is obviously this is my this is my life. It revolves around it. So I'm always in the constant pursuit of more learning and and information about this. And so it benefits my family that I get to be a part of this. Um, so it's uh, looking through other available podcasts. We go to uh, we've gone to some different conferences. Um, there's also D6. D6 is a really great resource. They have apps. They have um, a blog, podcast specific for family ministry and then as parenting and things like that. So they interview lots of um, great pastors and other family ministry ex experts and even therapists and things like that within the Christian world um, that you can get a lot of resources from there. Um, a lot of it has just been things that we've accumulated over time um, in our own pursuit of of discipleship and excellence in that. And being, uh, in taking that initiative to go look, it, I know like, yes, you can have your prayer time. The Lord can give you inspiration about something to do with your kids, but there's so don't reinvent the wheel. There is so much out there. Mm -hmm. You literally just have to like Google it or go on Amazon and you'll find things and it can be, it can be overwhelming. So, you know, narrowing down what you need for this stage of your life is important, but in this in this connected world, there's really no excuse not to start something because there is so many accessible resources. And we have a list that we can give to you that you can post in the show notes if you want that includes books. If you're, if you're a reader, it includes podcasts. If you're audio, it includes hands-on activities you can do with your kids for whatever stage they're in. So our inspiration comes from everywhere, <laughs> you know, and we can't, it can be, I mean, like we had in the beginning of the year, here's some things we want to start implementing. We had just come back from a conference and I wanted to do it all. I was like, these people are amazing. This is the only way our kid's going to be saved. And he had to rein me back in that, no, like our capacity is limited. We have a three-year-old and full-time work and here's what we can do and achieve. And here's some attainable bite-sized things that we can start implementing. And that included the, the morning breakfast benediction and, and our morning devotions. And then, can you tell us the what the morning breakfast benediction is? By the way, can I was wondering the same it? thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually we adopted it from a, another pastor, and he calls it a confession of faith. But we like breakfast benediction; it's a fun alliteration. Um, so it's I'm not what I do, I'm not what I have, I'm not what people say about me. I am the beloved of God. It's who I am. No one can take it from me. I don't have to hurry. I don't have to worry. I can trust my friend Jesus and share His love with the world. So we could just slap that on the whole uh coronavirus. <laughs> exactly. It is so fitting for and of course when this wasn't a crisis, I was very much focused on the I'm not what I do. Benton, you know, yes, you may have moments where you're happy, but that's not who you are, or you might have moments where you're sad, but that's not who you are. And tying his identity into more than things he has and into more than what we do as a family. Mm -hmm that he is Jesus's. He's a beloved child of God, no matter what. And it's all the more applicable now that we're yes. <laughs> seeing the world. Seriously, wow. if people can embrace those words that I'm not what I do and I'm not what I have, but I'm a beloved child of God. Yeah. If people can embrace that as an adult, yes. anxiety levels will drop. Yes. 
identity issues will drop, depression will drop because it all goes back to who I am and understanding that that affects my emotions, that affects my behaviors. And the confidence Mm -hmm. that comes from knowing that you're a child of God and that we don't have to find our identity in my achievement or how good I bounce a basketball or how much I know or all the A's that I get in school, which are all good things. And, but at the end, this is what we want to instill in our children that it's who God says that you are. Mm -hmm. That's important. And not about what other people say that you are. Yes. I, I love that. Yeah, I think it's so appropriate now because everybody's identities are falling to the wayside right now. A child, if their identity is in making straight A's and their education and excelling in that, like, well, you're not going to school right now. You're doing it in a different environment, a different, you're doing it at work. I mean, you're doing it at home. Um, if you're in sports, you're not having basketball right now. You're not having football. Um, parents, adults, our identity, if they're in our jobs, most likely we're doing it from, you know, we're not excelling like we used to. Or we're not getting the affirmation that we were getting at work in our position. Um, and so if we find ourselves and uh, surrounding ourselves in that identity, then right now there's a lot of people struggling with that. That is so, so true. Your identity at a young age, building that from a very young age of who you truly are. uh, Then, I mean, like you said, Adam, what confidence you have as a child. And there's no questioning. There's no, none of the rebellion or not to say there's none of it, but just how much of that is impacted by someone just trying to find who they are. They're frustrated with not knowing who they are and trying to find themselves. We kind of do ourselves. our Western culture is, you know, when you're 18, go find yourself, go to college, go find yourself, go have your life experiences for four years or six years, however long it takes you. Uh, (laughs) And then when you come back, you should find yourself through all life experiences and stuff. But um, biblically, or even if you look to Eastern culture, it's at 13, we're telling you who you are. You are, you are a child of God. You're a child of the King. This is who your family is. This is your team. We're here to help and support one another. And we're in this together. We're not individuals. We're as a team. And so building that identity, um, that the unit, the family is a team is incredible because you know, you're always going to be there for one another. It almost becomes a touchstone too, (laughs) that as he goes through life or he encounters something that's hard, you can um, break those meanings apart and say, this is what that means. And, and yes, you know, so it's already drilled into when he's memorized this, it's become almost a mantra Mm -hmm. in his life that he's grown by in 20 years of that. That's going to, that's going to pay dividends later. That's the goal ultimately. And, and, the fact that you are not what people say about you means so much more in a world of social media reliance. And I heard it said that teenagers see their social media, how politicians see polls, except for the teenagers, there's no voting day. It is a never ending battle for people's votes, but there is, you never get to know if you're the winner or not. Mm -hmm. So what a stressful way to live your life. Yeah. And why obviously technology will be incredibly more advanced by the time he's 13, 15, 18 and building these, building these, like you said, touchstones from 
from a young age, I want to say I did my part. I don't want to say, well, I didn't know what to do. So I just did nothing. I'm going to try something. And if it goes great, great. And I can only put him in God's hands after I, after at this point, you know, but I don't want to stand before the throne and say, well, I didn't know what to do. It was really hard. God, (laughs) the world was really tough out there and I, I, I just didn't know what to do. So I kind of left it up to them to make their own decisions. It's so, it's so good. Um, what would you guys say? You're kind of talking right now about mindsets as parents. What, what are some skills or a mindset that we can adopt as parents to help us become better teachers to our kids, better teachers of the word? That's awesome. I think we all have places we can improve on. Whether you had the most awesome parents and you're modeling yourself after them or you had the opposite and you learned what not to do from your parents, as parents now, there is room for improvement. So that's the first thing you need to uh, admit is I can do better. And whether I look stellar on you know, social media or whatnot, there is always room for, for improvement um, and be, skills to develop. Be humble. Yeah, be humble. Stay humble. <laughs> Stay <about> humble. <laughs> Um, relationship, uh, trumps religion, rules, routines, anything like that. So relationship becomes, comes first before discipleship. So if you have a teenager and you've never built a relationship with them, like a true relationship with your teenager, um, don't try to just go and fix them all of a sudden and be like, okay, discipleship starts today. So Solomon said to train up a child in the way he should go. When he gets old, he will not depart from it. So it's a process. Train up a child is the process. It's ongoing. It's a constant growth mindset. It's constantly adjusting. It's taking inventory in life and making adjustments accordingly. Um, and then the when they're old doesn't necessarily mean um, when they hit a certain age. It's simply when they're older older than their present age. So you're taking those little milestones and you're constantly building on the milestones. You're seeing the improvements. You're seeing um, that he's memorized a breakfast benediction or he's having a monthly memory verse and they're memorizing their verse. Like those are little milestones that they're, they're constantly older and they're constantly growing in this. Um, and just being patient. Patience is a virtue. <laughs> So I've been told. And it's a, it truly is a skill to be patient and to not show frustration to your child or show anger towards them during this time, especially, especially right now. I can just imagine those conversations happening in a home. Um, I wish they weren't happening in the way they were, but sitting at the, at the dinner table or sitting at the table and a child's doing their work and a mom is trying to figure out common core math for a first grader and she's never done it before. <laughs> and she's got her laptop set up trying to have a conference call at the same time. I understand. I can't even, I can't even imagine the frustration that is happening right now, but to, but to be able to show patience and grace towards your child during that time is so Christ-like and such a reflection of that. Um, uh, of who you are and the personal discipleship that you've done in your own self and the relationship you, with, with God that you have, and then actually reflecting that to your child of what that looks like. 
And I think that's such, this is such an appropriate time to, it's really testing people of if they really have this for themselves or not. Yes. And part of that mindset of, of discipleship is remembering that you are the disciple first. You cannot take your children somewhere where you are not going yourself. That's not how it works. You can't send them on this path of discipleship when you have not yet walked that path. So remembering that, yes, the the state of the relationship Mm -hmm. you have with your child is important for them to accept biblical truths from you. But first, you have got to have accepted those biblical truths yourself and have adopted them and integrated them into your life and put them first. Your children will have a path to follow once you've already walked that path. So that mindset, not just that I am discipling my child, but that I also am a disciple and that I'm living this discipleship lifestyle myself. It's coming from the overflow of your personal relationship. So you guys have given us so many um, real, you know, a lot of practical examples today, but do you have any other practical tips or examples that you can share with our listeners um, for what they can do to implement with their children? Or start the journey of discipleship (laughs) with them. Just starting. Um, Well, as you alluded to our silly video that you saw when you were here in Bentonville, um, I would say just just make it as fun as possible. Um, Benton and I, we use his toys, his action figures, his baby dolls, and it's just in playtime um, that we'll, you know, he'll just be like, hey, let's do a Bible story. And he'll say David and Goliath. And then we take an action figure, a G.I. Joe and a little baby doll or a big baby doll. And so we have a little action figure, a big baby doll. And he's Goliath's voice or whatever. And so he's got little taglines that he's memorized because we've done it so many times. But then it becomes silly. It becomes a moment. It's like ends up, you know, 10 minutes of our playtime that we're just bantering back and forth and having fun and stuff. Um, now it's real life acting out. Um, somehow he got a hold of one of my play swords that I use for children's ministry. <laughs> and so now he rocks around the house stomping his feet saying, I am Goliath. I'm angry. <laughs> and so now we have to call him Goliath and be like, Goliath, you need to sit down and you need to eat your broccoli, Goliath, because <laughs> vegetables and yeah, it's time for your breakfast benediction, dude. <laughs> Put the sword down. Put no swords. We've made a rule: no swords at the table. Yeah. This is happening. Oh, um, that's awesome. We love it though because it's just building his creativity in it, and it's it's stretching mine as well. But yes, just taking little household items, taking his pulling Bible stories out and bringing them to current days, uh, current times, and just making them fun and relatable, and then they're going to remember these things for a lifetime, like. He's never going to forget these things because it's always going to be refreshed by a fun game or something fun, a story that we play out or something like that. So um, it's just, it's ingrained in him. It's imprinting on him these moments. It's building um, his connection with me on an intimate level, um, that one-on-one time that we have. And then I'm also, I'm being that example to him as well. So there's a there. I mean, it goes to so many levels besides just being silly with your kid and having some fun. It it goes so deep, so deep in that relationship building with him. So good. I love how you said too that repetition is okay. Like if you do David and Goliath over and over and over, for them to actually retain what it is, you repetition is important. It's necessary. I, our uh, nursery class has 
uh, I think two lessons that I've ever seen every time I take our children in there and they repeat them over and over. You know, it's Noah and the ark and baby Moses going down the river and they have all the action figures that go with it and the kids love it. But now she's starting to repeat stuff from that and starting to, you know, the Bible, the Bible, which they open up all the time. And then it, it, goes to show, and we all know, that repetition is the mother of all learning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do we want our children to remember? Yes. And that we've broken it down as a practical application to things we do daily, things we can do weekly, and things that are bigger and more yearly. So we have the daily things, which maybe like more like oxygen. We, we need it every day. And those are the breakfast benedictions, the memory verses, and the, the time together at the table. The weekly things, whether it might be a special dinner together, um, we go to church together, that's every week, every Sunday, celebrating the Sabbath, however you want to put it. That's what we need weekly. That's the that's the meat of our life. And for yearly, holidays are big for us as far as establishing identity within Christmas specifically, Christmas Eve service, how we spend that together. He loves the fact that, you know, there's candlelight and he gets to blow it out. And while he doesn't understand the full depth and weight of that, it's the beginning of that understanding. So I think a practical tool is to break down what is something you can do daily that is not overwhelming. And if you miss it, that's okay. You can do it the next day. And what can you do weekly that is attainable and avoiding practically in a practical sense, avoiding the, the urge to put forth perfection. You are going to see the moms on Instagram with their little cute journals that have decorations all over them. And they've obviously spent way too much time on them. I don't, I'm not, I don't have that capacity. And so I, I, I could feel very discouraged that that is not me and that is not where I am at, but pursue something, pursue what you can do in a practical way. So whether it's he excels at being silly, I don't, I can't do that. So that's not even practical for me just within this family, within our dynamic. That's not how I roll. I'm much more like, let's quote a memory verse. I can do that. You know, let's talk what you want, you know, like that's how I roll. Um, So we have totally different approaches to that and that's okay. Each family can do that. But so. And you guys compliment each other in that. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love that. that. We're a good team. <laughs> you are a good team. So finding, finding your strength and pursuing that rather than trying to be something you're not is, is advice that I could use myself to, to follow a little more diligently. So in practical application, decide what works for your family invest in the resources. If you need to purchase a devotional Bible, don't gasp when it's $25. That's okay. We've had these books now for almost two years, and that's a very small price to pay for something that is a seed that's going to grow into something so mighty. So take the time, take the money and invest now. Don't expect them to come home from church knowing their memory verse and that's enough. You've got to do some investing yourself in the resources that are going to work for you. I know that today I've learned oh yeah some things and I'm definitely in, I'm inspired to implement a lot of some of these things and mm-hmm. ideas 
So thank you guys. Yeah, this is thank you so, so, much. so good. Before we close, um, we want to ask our listeners if you are enjoying what you're hearing, if you have any feedback, please rate us and leave a review on iTunes. It'll help us reach many, many more families and couples. Um, so we're going to close with our dear young married couple letter at the end of every podcast. We ask our guests to fill in the blank. So rewinding back to your first few years of marriage, what advice do you wish you would have received? And then fill in the blank, dear young married couple. I wish I would have (laughs) received advice somewhat to the tune of relax. Like it's okay. There's, I'm a very type A structured checklist type person. And if things do not go A, B, C, then most likely my reaction won't be full of grace and patience. So I, and that's just a personal thing that whether in your marriage or your ministry, even in light of what's happening right now in the world, there's no checklist for this. It doesn't come with a manual. It doesn't come with you know, other than wash your hands, what to do during this time. So in the marriage relationship, in the family relationship, even in discipling your child, like relax and it's okay. You're going to, you're going to make choices that pan out and you're going to make choices that don't. And that's just the beauty of your humanity and, and seeking and constantly striving to be more and do more is that's just part of it. Dear young married couple, never stop growing or being willing to learn new things. Never stop learning new things about your spouse. Never stop learning new things about yourself. And always be open to change because that is uh, the most constant thing in life now is change. Well, thank you so much, you guys. This has been enriching. We've learned so much. Like Adam said, we're going to put some things into action today. So thank you so much. You guys are go-getters. They just have nothing else to do. They're quarantined. (laughs) 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 We are. Well, we love you guys. And um, if people need to get in contact with you, if they have questions or they would like more of your resources, they can contact you at justinjeter at ctbentonville.com. And we also are going to put this PDF in our COVID kit highlight on our Instagram page, which is at Dear Young Married Couple. And so if you want to download a PDF that they created in order to help us disciple our children and give us examples of what to do throughout the day and and when to do it, um, you can swipe up in our stories there and receive that PDF. So thanks again, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, and you're welcome. All right, friends, we really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at Dear Young Married Couple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.
At the Coca-Cola Company, Keurig Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo, our bottles might still look the same, but some of them can be remade in a whole new way. Using 100% recycled plastic. New bottles made using no new plastic except the caps and labels. You'll be seeing more of these new bottles in more places, and that's thanks to you. Because when we get more bottles back, we can use less new plastic. Learn how our bottles are made to be remade at madetoberemade.org.